this City First Church series any given Sunday, we're going back to the fundamentals. It's time to get off the bench and get ready to experience the victory that is already yours. This is your moment. All right, how's everybody doing? Uh, well, welcome to City First. Welcome to City First Church family. Everyone, say hello to everybody at City First Anywhere, Cape Coral, God Behind Bars, Dixon and Hardy, everyone on the Pando app, and everyone join us anywhere online, wherever you're at. And today we begin a brand new series called Any Given Sunday, and obviously it has a football theme. And today at all of our locations, we're encouraging everyone to like sport a jersey or some gear representing their favorite NFL team. So some of you did that today, and I just want to say today I'm representing the Chicago Bears because God's favorite colors are orange and blue, and, and, and it's in the book of Hezekiah. You can look that up, all right? Um, but anyway, uh, you know, the, the reason why I am, you know, really a Bears fan is because evidently I love misery and heartache, but um, I would say this, that uh, last week, little known fact, last week, little known fact, that the offensive line of the Chicago Bears must have attended City First Church. And you sit there and you say, really? Yeah, because when they were protecting the quarterback last game, it was like they were saying, everyone's welcome. Come on in. You belong here. <laughs> oh, pray for our O-line. Pray for our O-line. Anyway, um, I see some green and yellow in the room today. And also, I'm sure at Southwest Florida right now, there's some Tampa Bay fans and some Miami Dolphin fans. I am actually partial to the Miami Dolphins. And the reason why is back in the 80s, actually my cousin played for the Miami Dolphins. And also, my like great, great, great uncle used to own the Miami Dolphins. So I actually, for those of you who are Florida fans, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, all right? So anyway, today I want to talk about the idea of giving your all no matter where you are at in life because God is preparing you for something greater. That's really what I want to talk about today. And unless you prepare for today's game, in a sense, you'll never able, be able to handle the bigger game later on, you could say. And so I really want to talk about that. And one of the most important positions on a football team is the running back. In fact, the running back has one job, and that job is to run with the ball, you could say. Run with the ball. Well, today I'm sporting a jersey of my favorite running back of all time, uh, Walter Payton, which I mean, even if you're not a Bears fan... You got to have great respect for Peyton. I mean, even if you're not a Bears fan, this guy was, I mean, amazing. I mean, he played in the late 70s and the 80s with the Bears. And you know what? It was, it was just one of these things. Number 34 was always handed the ball. In fact, many times, and it's still true today, it's like the Bears had only one type of offense, and that was give it to Walter Payton, literally. And, and, and even if it was good field position, bad field position, it just, it didn't matter. It was just like hand Peyton the ball. And, and even when we had a semi-good quarterback, McMahon, you know, it was still just hand Peyton the ball. And he would always, most of the time, get yardage. He would rarely fumble the ball. He was consistent. He would just pound and pound and pound. And I loved it because even when I was a little kid, I'm thinking, this guy is literally carrying the entire team. 
And he was very positive, and, and even, even when it looked like he was going to get negative yardage, he got, he got positive yardage, and he was literally carrying the entire team. And, and I love this because really his job was just to, in a sense, run with the ball. And today I want to talk about a person in the Bible who had that same ability that you could say, metaphorically speaking, to just run with the ball. He was an individual that continued to move forward no matter what the circumstances were. Even if it was an inevitable kind of situation, he would just run with the ball. His name in the Old Testament was Joseph. I'm going to tell you the story of Joseph today. It's found in Genesis chapter 37. This man learned how to run with the ball even though many times circumstances were against him. He was one of 12 sons. His father had 12 sons, and Joseph had a supernatural ability to interpret dreams. It was an ability given to him by God. Now, his dad set him up for some heartache, you could say, because Joseph was his father's favorite son. And so, even so much so that... um, The father gave Joseph, his son, gave him a a coat that had many colors. Now, this was more than a fashion statement back in the day. This was actually a sign of royalty. If you had a jacket or a coat with many colors, it meant you were a king. So imagine this. For those of you who have brothers and sisters for a moment, you have siblings, all right? Imagine if your father decided to pick out one of your brothers and sisters and say, basically, this is a king, this is a queen. How would that make you feel? Like, not real happy. And in the same way, his 11 brothers were not real happy that all of a sudden Joseph is walking around in this, you know, multicolored jacket with this supernatural ability to interpret dreams. In fact, there was even one dream that Joseph told his brothers, and probably this wasn't the smartest thing that Joe ever did, but Joseph told his brothers, he goes, I had a dream, and in this dream, you guys were all going to be bowing down to me. Isn't that amazing? Now again, imagine in your family, if one of your siblings said this, you're like, oh yeah? <laughs> you know, and there was this moment where there was a lot of jealousy with the other 11 brothers. In fact, so much so that they were out in the wilderness and, and they basically took uh, Joseph, who was 17 years old at the time, and basically threw him in a deep hole in a pit and took his multicolored jacket and ripped it and put like blood on it, animal's blood, and then brought it back to the father and said, I'm sorry, Joe got eaten by an animal, he's dead. So they lied. Well, what did they do with Joe? What they did is they sold him into slavery. And basically, as a 17-year-old, Joseph became a slave in a foreign land. He was sent to Egypt. He didn't know the language, and he began to work for a man by the name of Potiphar, who was his master, you could say. And it brings me to my first point about running with the ball. My first point that we can take away from Joseph's story is this, that you run with the ball even when the life you've been handed isn't what you wanted. And there's a lot of us that are in that category right now that we're facing issues, circumstances, or maybe in the past, present, or future, that you know what, things we didn't sign up for, it isn't the life that we wanted. In fact, you know what, we got a bad handoff, you could say. And now we have the ball, we have to do something. 
And many of us, many of us, you know what? We haven't been handed maybe the easiest circumstances. Maybe your upbringing was not that easy. Okay, I'm going to wake some of you up here. I'm going to throw some of these out in the crowd, all right? So heads up, all right? They're, they're kind of like as light as marshmallows. They're a little hard to throw, but I'm going to try to make it into the galleries, all right? So how about some of you? Some of you, you know what? You've been, thank you, thank you, yes. <laughs> I should sign up for the bears. Anyway. <laughs> but I have no protection. Right. So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some of you, you've been through a painful divorce, right? Some of you, you've had some health issues. Oh, heads up, heads up. You seem to be looking at the pastor otherwise. All right. Some of you, some of you have been in an impossible situation. Some of you, you find yourself in a financial hardship, right? I mean, like, You've been handed a situation that you didn't sign up for. Now, now if we're going to be honest, some of us maybe we've created the situation, whatever it is. You know, we've made some wrong choices, some poor choices. I'll get this side. How's that sound? Some poor choices. And you know what? We've created the circumstances and the consequences that we're now living with. But regardless of whether we created the circumstances or helped create them or whether someone else did for us, we are in a situation much like Joseph. Maybe we're, in a sense, 17 years old in slavery in a land that we don't want to be in, in a language that we don't understand, and we don't have the freedom that we desire. So what did Joseph do? What did Joseph do? Well, the Bible says this in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Let me say it again. And the Lord was with Joseph. It goes on to say that Joseph went on and prospered as a slave. Now, I am an Enneagram 8, for any of you that know anything about Enneagrams, all right? And on top of that... I am also kind of a type A leader, and I'm Dutch, all right? So this is the thing. I read the Bible sometimes, and I always read kind of looking at a 360 view of the situation and trying to actually put myself in the person's shoes who I'm reading about. Now, the Bible says that Joseph had God with him. And my first thing reading the Bible when I read this story years and years ago, and I've read it a bunch of times since, is I thought, well, what good has that done him? I mean, I know some of you are like going, oh, you didn't say that. You might get struck by lightning. No, no, listen. What good is it that God was with him? He's in slavery. He's been betrayed by his brothers. He, his death has been faked. His father is mourning. It's not his fault that he was the favorite kid, it's not his fault necessarily, and I mean, he kind of helped it a little bit by talking about that dream, but it's not his fault that his brothers are jealous. And if God is with him, why is he in slavery at all? I mean, if God's really with him, then shouldn't he be back at home with dad and his brothers enjoying freedom? But instead, he's literally in a dead-end life, you could say, in slavery with no freedom, but yet God was with him, and he prospered even in slavery. And that's something that we can learn from, because sometimes I think we think if God is with us, that that means everything is hunky-dory, and everything is great, 
and we're just kind of skipping through a field of daisies in life and there's no problems and no struggles. No, that's not true. We look at this story and we see a young man of God who is in the middle of a very intense hardship and yet God said, I'm with you. Doesn't say God created the situation, but God is present there. So even when life doesn't make sense, and it isn't easy, we need to learn how to, in a sense, run with the ball. Because God can give you the ability to prosper even in the midst of your negative circumstances. Here's a truth that I've learned in my life, that if you complain, you remain. And if you choose to thrive, you'll end up surviving, all right? And I'm telling you, it's really true. And many of us, man, especially in the last 18 months, we've done a lot of complaining, myself included. I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like what's going on. I don't like what's happening in our world. I don't like COVID. I don't like all the ramifications of COVID. I mean, we, we, we're complaining a lot. And this is what I, I felt like the Lord told me is like, Jeremy, if you keep on complaining, you're just going to remain. And instead, learn how to prosper in the midst of hardship. So Joseph, you know what he did? He started working for Potiphar, the master, and he started being very responsible, and he was a hard worker, and he took care of things. And all of a sudden, Potiphar noticed that this slave was different than all of the other slaves. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to entrust you with a lot more responsibility. And so all of a sudden, Joseph is promoted. Now, he's still a slave, but now he's in charge of the majority of the house and life, and then something happens. Just the minute that, that Joseph starts making headway, like he's breaking through the line, right? He's making headway to the end zone. All of a sudden, Potiphar's wife starts to become attracted to Joseph. If you look in the Bible, this is the original cougar, all right? <laughs> this is the original desperate housewife of Egypt, all right? So, all right? And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife starts noticing this young man and like getting attractive. And so what happens? Well, in Genesis 39, verse 11, it gets kind of crazy. It says this one day, however, no one was around. When he was doing his work inside the house, she came and grabbed him by his shirt, demanding, sleep with me. She's pretty straightforward here. Joseph has a decision to make. I know some of you are like going, well, he just needs to say no. No, listen, think of the circumstances. As a slave, you have no rights. As a slave, when the master or anyone in his household were to tell you to do something, the automatic answer is yes. Otherwise, it is death. So therefore, he did not really have a choice, humanly speaking. The Bible says, though, that Joseph was a man of God. He knew this was wrong. And so what he did is he tore himself away from her grip, you could say, and in doing so, ripped his shirt, his cloak, all right, and he ran out of the house. So he chose conviction over convenience. And here's what we can learn from Joseph in this situation is that God wants us to run with the ball even when we get tempted. Now, you may not be tempted to sleep with Potiphar's wife. It may be a different type of temptation, but maybe this is a better thing. Maybe when you get distracted even. You see, in the last 18 months, 
We've had a lot to distract us. I was talking to, uh, you know, some individuals this week who were asking me questions about church in America and my thoughts on it. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not an expert at it, all right? But I will tell you this. I believe personally, by talking to other pastors of large churches around the nation, looking at the statistics from places like Pew Research and other types of, of surveys, I believe that one-third of the people who used to come to church pre-COVID are not coming back. One-third. You're like, what makes you think that? They got distracted. They got tempted. They used to be faithful with their faith and with church attendance and serving and all of those things, life groups. And you know what? They got out of sorts. They got out of rhythm. They got tempted. They got distracted. I can't tell you how many people I talk to are like, well, we just kind of got out of the habit of going to church or life group or being around Christian friends. You know, this is what I know, and this is going to seem a little bitey, but you know what? It's really true, is that in the kingdom of God and in about every other area, there are a lot of great starters. There's few great finishers. And in this world, no matter what we're going through, whether it's COVID or whatever the next thing is, because there will be something, all right, I will tell you, we need to be people that decide to run with the ball with a tenacity like Joseph and say, I'm going to live by conviction, not by convenience. And when temptation comes, I'm just not going to quit. I'm just not going to quit. So here's a question. What or who, because it can be a what or a who, distracts you? I mean, what or who makes you fumble the ball? What makes you say, you know what, I have this conviction, I love Jesus, I'm, I'm going to do certain things, I'm going to live at a certain standard, but then there is a thing or a person or a circumstance that makes you decide to, in a sense, fumble the ball. There's many things in life that can do this. Many things in life that can do this. And all of us are vulnerable to that. None of us can say we're bulletproof when it comes to temptation, right? There will be temptations. It's whether or not whether we give in to those temptations. So what did Joseph do? He ran, he ran with the ball, and he held tightly to what he knew what was right because he was serving God, Jehovah. And he's like, this would be wrong to sleep with Potiphar's wife on many levels, and so therefore I'm not going to give in to this distraction. I'm going to keep a person of conviction. I'm going to keep being that individual. So the story continues. Joseph found himself in a very bad situation now because, you know, Potiphar's wife, now that she's been rejected, um, is not a happy camper. And on top of that, she has a piece of his clothing and she concocts the story that Joseph tried to rape her. So he t she tells her husband, Potiphar, she's like, you know what your, your slave tried to do to me? He tried to rape me and here, by the way, Here's part of his shirt to prove it as I was struggling to get away from him. This is a no-win situation for Joseph. So you know what Joseph does? He gets thrown in jail. I mean, honestly, it was a big deal that he even got thrown in jail. He probably should have been killed. That's really, he should have been executed. But he was thrown in jail, and he was framed, he was lied about, and he was lost. Let me ask a question. Have you ever done everything right or what you thought was right and yet still... You got in trouble, still circumstances didn't pan out. Like you're like, you were faithful to God. You did what you were supposed to do in your marriage and yet still the divorce happened. You, you, you're doing what you were supposed to do at work and still the layoff happened. 
I mean, whatever it is that you did what you thought you should do, you obeyed God, and yet circumstances didn't pan out, it makes you question, right? It makes you go, wait a minute. Why is it that all the people that are doing the wrong things are getting promoted, and I'm trying to do the right thing, and I'm getting demoted, or I'm getting put backwards? It's like one step forward, two steps back, right? You ever been in that kind of a situation before? You know? I just want you to know, I mean, Joseph didn't like this. Sometimes I was like, well, yeah, he went to jail. See, some of you have heard this story so many times, like, yeah, he went to jail, but guess what? Know what's coming? Well, imagine you're Joe here for a minute. You don't know what's coming. You think you've just been thrown in jail. You've been faithful. You've been faithful. It says in Genesis 39, verse 21, that all of a sudden Joseph decides, instead of complaining, he is going to do the best that he can to bloom where he's planted, and all of a sudden he begins to gain the trust of the warden. Like he's in jail, and the warden begins to notice this, this young man that has this like, like talent and conviction and all this, and so the warden begins to trust Joseph with more, and he's like literally helping to run part of the jail. And then it says in verse 23, it says again, and the Lord was with Joseph. All right, Enneagram 8 moment for a moment. Is this really helping at all that the Lord is with Joseph? Because he just went from slavery into prison. I mean, this is not going the right direction. I guarantee you, Joseph was thinking to himself from time to time, God, what is the benefit of serving you? Because all it's gotten me is a pit and now in prison. I mean, have you ever thought that before? Brings me to my third point, that we are to run with the ball even when it looks like you aren't going to win. Even when it looks like you aren't going to win. Because God's silence does not mean that he is absent. I talked a little bit about that last week. See, remember something, Joseph didn't have a Bible. The Bible wasn't invented at this time, okay? Like what we now call the Bible, that version, it wasn't invented at that time. He had no Bible. There was no prophecy. In fact, in the story, no one visited him and said, Joseph, the Lord told me that you're going to get out of this prison. There was no prophecy. There was no one there to encourage him. He had to encourage himself. So you know what? You got to learn how to run with the ball. We all do, even when it doesn't look like we're going to win. That's why I started off with Walter Payton. I mean, the Bears had a terrible record back then. But yet, if, and again, whether you're a Bears fan or not, you got to respect this. He ran at 110% every time he got the ball. There's a conviction there. There's a character thing there. And it's the same with Joseph. Because this is what I know, that there's a greater purpose than your present battle. And it's not about the game, it's about your career. Does that make sense? And so whatever you're battling right now, yes, that's, that's real. But guess what? Someday when we stand before God, someday when they're having a funeral, a memorial service for us, they weren't, they're going to talk about our career. Does that make sense? They're going to talk about how we lived. And when we stand before God, he's going to say, how did you live? Well done, my good and successful servant. No. It says in the Bible, well done, my good and faithful servant, right? So Joseph is stuck in jail, and he's got this gift of interpreting dreams, a gift that really has been kind of like collecting dust. And it's now about 13 years later from the moment that he was in the pit, 13 years, 
Some of you are like going, why hasn't God answered my prayer? It's been like 13 hours. 13 years. Does that make sense? I mean, I don't want to get off on this because this is kind of a theological mind bender, but God lives outside of time. So when we try to constrain him and put him within time, he doesn't live in that. He lives outside of time. He'll answer our prayers and he'll answer his promises and fulfill them in his timing, which is rarely our timing, right? And so the very thing that got him in trouble was this gift, you could say, of interpreting dreams. And now all of a sudden, the Pharaoh of Egypt, all right, Pharaoh, the guy in charge of the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time, was having bad dreams. And someone said, well, you know what? There's this individual. By this point, Joseph is, you know, 30 years old. He's not a young man anymore. There's a 30-year-old that's in prison that has this ability to interpret dreams. And so Joseph, in a sense, finds himself all of a sudden now in the palace of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh tells him the dream, and he had, Pharaoh had already told all his sorcerers and his astrologers and all these people that, like, worship moons and all this kind of stuff like that, and none of them knew what to do. And now Pharaoh goes, Joseph, I hear you have a, a gift, and here's my dream. What do you make of it? Now, you got to remember this for a moment. Pharaoh, in that time, was looked at as a god, like, we know this in modern day. Like, they built huge pyramids as a tomb for one of these pharaohs, right? And then another one for another pharaoh. I mean, like, he was, he was looked at as a god. Pharaoh himself, since probably he was a little boy, was told that he was a god. I mean, talk about, you know, kind of like entitlement, <laughs> Right? And, and so here's this moment that Joseph is standing in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells him his dream, and, and, and Joseph basically says this. I mean, it's, it, it, this, is, this is very interesting. He goes, he goes in, in verse 16, it says this. Joseph goes, well, it's my, uh, beyond my ability to do this, meaning to interpret the dream. That's not a real good answer. This is your, like, meal ticket moment. You know, you're going to get out of jail if you can interpret this dream. And you're looking now at the person who's looked at as God of the world at that point. Um, and you're going, I, I can't do it. And then he goes on to say this. He goes, but God will tell you what it means and will set you at ease. Now, some of you are like going, man, that was so bold of Joseph. That was way more bold than you think. Imagine looking at the person who's looked at as a God who thinks they're a God and say, you know what? God will tell you what it means. What that really means is, hey, by the way, Pharaoh, you've been told you're God all this time, and all these people think you're God. You're not God. There's another God. I mean, I want you to think about that for a moment. That's, that's pretty bold of Joseph to do that. He's basically insinuating, you're not God. <laughs> and so why did Joseph do this? Because we heard about it multiple times throughout the story. And if you go read the story, it's even said more times than I've even explained it. The Lord was with Joseph. So the Lord is with Joseph in the pit. The Lord is with Joseph in Potiphar's house. The Lord is with Joseph in prison. And now the Lord is with Joseph in the palace. And at that moment, he has no fear. Because God is with him. And really, at the end of the day, the only way is up at this point for Joseph. 
And so it says in verse 41 that Pharaoh listens to this and then listens to the interpretation of the dream by Joseph and responds, I'm going to put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Literally in a moment, he goes from prison to second in command. After years of patience and faithfulness, have you been handed a circumstance that you don't want? Have you been tempted to quit or be distracted or give in to a compromise? Do you find yourself in a no-win situation? Then I have a couple of questions I want to ask you before I close. The first one is this. The first one is, do you know what significant work God wants to accomplish through you? Do you know what that significant work is? Well, the answer to that is probably not. Do any of us really know what God wants to do through us? No, we're, we kind of are fuzzy about that. That's why we give into temptation. That's why we quit. That's why sometimes we don't run with the ball. It's because we don't see what God has for us really. And, and, and so we're just like, well, it's not worth it. Right? And, and here's the thing, the second question. Do you know what God is preparing for you, the greater thing in your future? Well, the answer to that is also no. You really don't. You don't know what's right around the corner on the other side of your obedience, on the other side of your conviction, on the other side of your character. You don't know that. And so what do we do? Our, our perspective is often very limited. Our progress many times in life is indiscernible. You don't know how much you've grown in the last week. Your obedience is rarely immediately rewarded and faithfulness is not flashy. It isn't. So this is what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to run with the ball, to stay faithful, to stay focused, to stay obedient, because obedience is also worship to God. It's not just singing songs, but your obedience is worship to God. And at the end of the day, he deserves that. Long obedience in the same direction, because God is with you, and God is preparing you for something bigger and more significant. Run with the ball. Run with the ball. You know, I think of some people that um, have ran with the ball. And you know what, Here, here's the thing. There's all kinds of stories at City First and they're just stories of obedience. And they never get put up on a screen and they never get pushed out on social media but you just made a lot of right choices. I think of Mike and Wendy Clock, who are sitting down. They don't know I'm saying anything. I just got to look from Wendy like, what are you doing? There's been a lot of health battles. There's been a lot of tough decisions to keep faithful and keep going, and yet every single week, they sit right there. Mike is an ministry partner. Wendy, I think at one point, I mean, she invites like rows of people to original conference. Like I think at one point it was like 26 ladies that she brought to original. And I just want to tell you, you guys are faithful and we love you guys very much. And we champion you. I think of uh, 
DeMonte here in the front row. Who's faced his own struggles, his own battles that none of you even know, but some of us do. And yet every week he's faithful and he loves God. And you know what? Has an opportunity to go play ball at a D1 college, but feels called into ministry and has made a decision to, to go with what God's calling is on his life. And that's a gutsy thing. So I want to tell you something. We honor you. We honor you. I think of Bev, who sits behind us almost every week. And Bev is a survivor. And she has been through some intense struggles and battles here in the last few years. And yet shows up. with a smile on her face every week, hands raised, worshiping God, like literally worshiping God in the midst of her prison. And I just want you to know that you are inspirational. Thank you for being a Joseph, a Joseph Hart. Oh, and there's more, come on, there's more. There's all kinds of people, but this is the thing. We don't all know your stories. I don't even know all your stories. But here's the important thing. Let me see if I can get into the balcony. Oh, close. All right. God does know your story. Just stay faithful. And some of you, you fumbled the ball recently. And, and this is the best part about God, is that you can pick it right back up again. And you don't have to stay in that state of failure, but rather instead, God can help you to pick yourself back up again, to grab onto his calling, his destiny, his character, and empower you with the Holy Spirit to make the right decisions and get right back in the game again. It can happen. It can happen any given Sunday, even this Sunday. So, if you in your heart of hearts say, you know what, I wanna be, I wanna be a Joseph type person, that when hardship comes and there's temptation and it's a no-win situation and I've been handed something that I don't like, at the end of the day, can we have a Joseph heart and say, you know what, I'm just gonna hang on to God in the missus because God is with me and I'm gonna make the right choices to the best of my ability. If I make a wrong choice, I'm gonna get right back up again and God's gonna forgive me and I'm gonna continue to keep running with the ball. If that's you, come on, let's stand to our feet. No one's leaving unless it's an absolute emergency. But if you say, I wanna have a Joseph heart, come on, stand up, stand up, stand up. I wanna pray for you before we leave. Some of you today, you heard me talk about God being with Joseph and you're like, I wish God was with me in whatever battle you're in. Here's the good news, he is. But here's the question, are you with him? Okay, now, he's with you, are you with him? I didn't say he created the circumstance. I don't know who did, 
Yeah, I, I didn't say he created the, the, the problem. I don't know who did, but he's with you. Are you with him? And today, I think some of us on any given Sunday, like today, need to choose to be with God as he is with us and make him the leader and the forgiver of your life. And if that's you, you're not joining a church today, but let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes. And before I pray for us, and I'm gonna give every single one of you something that is in an in-person location here in a moment. But before we do that, there's a very important decision that some of us need to make. We wanna be with God today. Make him our savior, make him our Lord, our leader, our forgiver. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you're like, I need God to be with me and I wanna be with God. I want to ask for forgiveness for all I've done wrong, and I'm not promising to be perfect, but I want Jesus with me, and I want to be with Jesus. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand and put it right back down. Yeah, hands are up, hands are up, and I guarantee you at every location. All right, let's all say this prayer together, okay? And this is making it a, a, a declaration, you could say with your life, that you're making Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life. So let's all say this together, okay? Jesus, I come to you today, and I make you the Lord, the leader, the forgiver, and my savior. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I wanna live for you. Give me strength to run with the ball. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, everybody put your hands together for that. We have a New Beginnings booklet, which that information is on the screen. And there's also some next steps. You can go to our app or our website and, and such. You can get a part of Growth Track and, and obviously remember to be here next this coming Wednesday. But this is what I want to do before we dismiss. I'm going to give every single one of you one of these footballs. I know some of you are like going, I want a football. You're going to get a football. It's like, you get a football. You get a football. You, I'm like Oprah up here. You get a football. You get, okay. So here's the thing. On the way out the door, all of you are going to get a football, and this is what you're going to do. It's one of these little stress balls. I want you to keep it with you. Because when you come up against circumstances and situations that feel like they're too big, they feel like a no-win situation, or you're tempted, I want you to remember, run with the ball because character always pays off. Someday you're going to be so happy that you stayed with it, that you hung on to it, you kept pounding and pounding and pounding because God in God's economy, payday is someday. All right? And, and, and you know what? Character will pay off and Jesus is with you every single step of the way. So on the way out the door at all our locations, you're going to get one of these little footballs. But let me pray a dismissal prayer. Lord, as we get these footballs, may it be a reminder of your faithfulness to us. You are with us through thick and thin. Lord, you are with us through the good, the bad, and the ugly. That, Lord, you give us strength to make the right decision. Lord, thank you for your power. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that your promises are still true. Lord, we want to be people with a Joseph heart. We want to run with the ball no matter what. God, I pray strength into my friends. I pray favor. I pray resilience, tenacity, and may me make the right choices. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God praise. Come on, let's do it. Oh, you can do better than that. Yeah.